Well, blessings multiply, church. Did everybody get your notebook on the way in? Wave those at me. If you didn't, wave another hand, and they can get those to you. So keep waving until somebody. We've got some some people in the back, guys. If you'll make your way up and down the aisle uh, and, and make sure that everybody has a booklet. We are ex- we are just so excited. I am so excited to impart this multipliers series into you. I am believing leaving this for you and go ahead and turn to page one there. There's five points of a multiplier that we're going to be walking through in the next six weeks because we're spending two weeks on one. But here's, here's the thing that we, we are absolutely believing that in these next six weeks that we are going to break limitations and activate potential in the house. We are absolutely believing that. And a couple of questions that we've all got to ask is, will we live as a diminisher or a multiplier? And all of this is on page one, and you can take notes, because I think in Matthew chapter five on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says something like this, blessed are the note takers, for they shall receive the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who get all the blanks filled in, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And if you miss something, or if I skip over something, which is actually more likely, we've even got an answer key in the back. We're asking that you bring this with you each and every week because they're $4, and we want to be good stewards of God's money so that we can support more missionaries. But we, we, we want you to fill this in. We want you to kind of live with this booklet for six weeks. Use it in your prayer time. Use it in your devotional time. Use it with your kids. Your kids are walking through the same material. Use it. And we are believing that God is going to do great things because here's the, here's the thing. We're all living. Like I said, will we live as a diminisher or a multiplier? We're all living beneath our capacity or potential. Someday we're all going to stand before Jesus and he's going to ask this question. Did you take what I gave you And did you multiply it for the glory of God or did you just use it up on yourself? Pastor, is that your opinion? No, it's from a parable that Jesus taught. He taught a a parable on the gift of the talents and some people received five and some received uh, three and some received one. And the the people, the person with the five talents and the person with with the, sorry, the two talents, they multiplied their gift for the glory of God. And the person with the one, they just buried it. How many of you know complacency is not an option in the house of God? It's not even an option. You were made, you were made to multiply. So C.S. Lewis writes a a series, uh, the Narnia series. Have you read it? Wave at me if you've read it or or watched it or or familiar with it. Maybe you've read it to your kids, but it's it's a tremendous series. It's a whole allegory and a whole parable on the the gospel. It starts out with the magician's nephew and the most familiar of those books is The Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe. My favorite, The Silver Chair, is another really good one. There's Prince Caspian. My favorite, my absolute favorite is The Last Battle. And there's a scene in the last battle where Lucy walks up to Aslan. Aslan is the lion who is representative of Jesus Christ. That's the Christ figure in these stories. And Lucy walks up to Aslan and, and she says, Aslan, she's looking out over the dwarfs. And she, they're, they're poor, they're miserable, they're not happy. They're just, they're just living a, a, a life that is so less than uh, the life that they could live. And Lucy says, Aslan, can't you help these dwarves? And Aslan looks at her and, through her tears and says, my child, let me show you what I can and cannot do. 
And Aslan shakes his mane and he roars and suddenly before the dwarves there is a feast. I mean a throw down feast like the feast that I ate at the wedding that I was at last night. A smoke pit feast. Can you say amen? Like fried chicken and brisket and, ma- and all the carbs. Grits and macaroni and cheese and cornbread and like everything is before the dwarves. And so they're diving in. The problem is as they're feasting because they're famished they're famished they're miserable but as they're feasting they can't taste the food in fact it tastes like 10 year old hay that's been rotting in a barn and they start thinking what's wrong with me what's wrong and so they eat more and more but here's the thing the more they consume the emptier they are To compound the problem, they look across the table and see other dwarves feasting. And they think that the food is tasteful and fulfilling to the other dwarves. So now add to the situation, now add upon emptiness, envy, and you've got a fist fight. Now the dwarves are saying, well, what you have, I'm not happy with my turkey leg. I want your steak. What What this is called in 2021, it's called Instagram. That's what it's called. I'm not happy with my life and what I'm eating isn't fulfilling me and so I want what you have and so I'm just throwing throwing fists and punches and I'm not satisfied and all of this turns into this mess because and here's what I believe I believe that this is a parable of the gospel of consumerism that you have been fed hook line and sinker for the last 50 years that's what you've been preached eat this buy this drink this go to this place have this experience and you will be satisfied the problem is the more you eat the emptier you've become and then you look on social media and you think that what you're eating isn't satisfying you but it's satisfying somebody else so what's wrong with me so now we've got all of this emptiness and all of this envy and we are living in a society that is in this downward spiral of anxiety and fear and I believe it's a result of the gospel of consumerism so there's many people that have woken up and said yeah this this consumerism, or, or let me use another word, materialism, right? So materialism simply means this. Materialism means that the more I have, the happier I will be. And many people have went down that road and found out that the car didn't make them happy and the boat didn't make them happy and the RV didn't make them happy and the bathroom remodel didn't make them happy. And, you know, you just fill in the blank, right? Fill in the blank. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that stuff. I'm just saying it didn't make you satisfied in life. So they've realized that. And have you noticed what we're in now? We're in this reactionary movement of minimalism. So people are giving up their mansions and they're moving into tiny homes. How many of you know, especially those of you with teenagers, that that's from the devil? You don't want to live in a 600 square foot house with 10 people that isn't right but you have people looking in their closets saying does this make me happy and if it doesn't make you happy then you're supposed to give it away but watch this minimalism and materialism are actually the same thing it's the same thing Because materialism says the more I have, the happier I will be. Minimalism says the less I have, the happier I will be. But it both equates your satisfaction in life to the acquisition of or the depletion of stuff. And I'm telling you that stuff will never satisfy. And so if more won't help you, if less won't help you, what do we have to do? We got to go back to the origin. 
Your origin story matters. Come on, Marvel fans, shout me down. The origin story matters. It matters how Black Panther got to the throne in Wakanda. It matters how Spider-Man found his powers. It matters how Thor got to Earth. It matters Black Widow. It matters her family family history. Your origin story matters. And so once you understand your origin story, you'll understand how life works, where we went wrong, and how can we recover recover it. So I believe that Genesis 1 through 3 are some of the most important chapters in all of scripture because it's your origin story. And once you understand your origin story, we understand how God, our creator, made this life to work. Let's look at it. It's there right in your booklet. Genesis chapter 1, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps, excuse me, on the earth. So God, verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created him and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. The cure to addition is not subtraction, it's multiplication. The cure in your life to satisfaction isn't less, it's actually more, infinitely more, but not in a way where you operate as a consumer and a diminisher and a dwarf. I know that's not probably a politically correct word, Frank, but I'm using it like C.S. Lewis did, but we're not consuming. Everybody around you is consuming and they're not happy. Don't let their social media feed fool you. They're living a life of a diminisher and it's going in them, but it's not filling them up. And that's not what the people of God do. The people of God say, God, I want more so it can come in me and flow through me. If you believe that, somebody say amen. You were made to multiply. I'm about to impart a multiply anointing in you so that you begin to live in more than enough. It's not going to be just enough for you and your house. It's going to be more. More than enough for your neighbors. I got enough joy for me and the people around me. I got enough peace for me and my entire house. I got enough of the power of the Holy Spirit for me and the people that I walk through the hospital that that Holy Spirit like Paul's shadow, like Peter's shadow, Paul's handkerchief and like Peter's shadow. When you walk by people, your shadow is anointed. You walk in that multiply anointing. And don't you let the devil for one moment tell you that you don't have that multiply. It's in you. It's your very foundation. It is the DNA of every child of God. That's your inheritance. That's who you are. So number one, you have a multiply identity. Pastor, I see it in scripture, but I don't feel it in my heart. Tell me why I don't feel it in my heart. You don't feel it in your heart and you don't think it in your head because God wants to bless you with a multiply identity, but there is an enemy of your soul that is the ultimate identity thief. That's why, according to the great theologian Dwight K. Schrute, that identity theft is not a joke, Jim. And that's what the enemy does. He just walks walks around 
every day. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. The reason that most Christians are not operating in their multiply identity is they've allowed the devil to operate as an identity thief. How does he do that? How does he do that? Well, he does it like other identity thieves operate. So if you woke up this morning and on your email in your inbox, it says something like this, congratulations. <laughs> that should, you know, a little, bit of a little bit of a suspicious congratulations. You are related to an Arabian prince. <laughs> and that prince has passed away. And out of everybody on earth, that prince left you a fortune. And all, this is, this is all you have to do. You don't have to give anybody anything. You don't have to empty your bank account. You don't have to get on a plane and travel. All you have to do is provide your social security number. Because here's the way identity thieves work. They don't begin by going after your fortune. They begin by going after access. Church, that's why sin is so serious because it's like giving the devil your social security number. He begins to have access to your soul. And once he has access to your soul, he begins to deplete your strength. He begins to deplete your mind. He begins to deplete your joy. But we say no more in the name of Jesus. We are cutting that off. This is the way. So identity thieves, they want access and they begin to deplete your spiritual bank account, which is actually your very identity I always hated horror movies growing up like I had every teenager has their stuff right like things that they're probably doing that they shouldn't be doing and I had a few of those things I'm telling you watching movies that I should not watch uh, was not was not one of them I had the fear of God like in me of the first movie that I went to that that I knew that I shouldn't go to I thought Jesus was going to come back right then and that was a, was a little bit of a nerve-wracking experience I remember watching five minutes of one horror movie I'm like that's not for me at all I don't enjoy being scared or frightened or startled my daughter tries to startle me all the time and it works every time I walk through my house I'm just I got I got a nervous ball of energy I'm like she's she behind the door like <laughs> she just jumps out at me all the time like stop it uh, but but Anyway, the whole, this, this horror thing. So even if you didn't grow up watching, watching these kind of movies, um, most people would recognize the picture of, of this monster. And so on the count of three, the name of this monster is one, two, three. Oh, my goodness. The majority of you said Frankenstein. Except I tricked you. The majority of you are wrong. How many, of you, how many of you know the real answer? It's not named, right? It's never named. The monster is never named. 
Mary Shelley did it on purpose, the author of this novel. She never named the monster on purpose because she understood that people without a name don't have identity. And when you don't have identity, it evokes fear within you and in the people around you. So what Frankenstein did was when you're not named by your father, you begin to take on the identity of everything else around you. Teenager, can I, can I preach to you today? That's why it's so important that you find your identity in Christ, in your relationship with Jesus, in your relationship, in your reading of the Word of God. Because if you don't find your identity in Christ, then you begin to take on the identity of everything around you. And I promise you, there's a lot of people that want to name you. They want to they tell you, everybody, have you noticed this? Everybody got a plan for your life. <laughs> and I'm not talking about teenagers anymore. Come on, how many of you know mama's still got a plan for your life? And some of those plans are good, but some of those plans might not be God's plans. How do we walk in our identity? We walk in our, our identity when we say no to the identity thief, when we realize we have a multiply identity. But the second thing, this identity comes out of covenant. Oh, I'm so excited to teach this to you. I'm so excited to teach this to you because when you understand covenant, you will understand how firm and secure your identity is. So if, uh, if, if Will comes to me and says, Pastor, I, I got, a, got a little bit of a problem. He said, uh, Kelly's mad at me. She's not. I don't think. I don't think. She didn't tell me that before service. So I'm not, I'm not, this is not, this is an example. This is not like real time revelation. Okay. <laughs> but if Will comes to me and says like, pastor, I got a, I got a problem. Kelly, Kelly's mad at me. I said, well, well, what happened? He says, well, I didn't mow the lawn. I told her I was going to mow the lawn, but I watched football instead. And I got to doing some things. I didn't mow the lawn. And pastor, could we have a little bit of your time? Well, of course, I mean, it doesn't sound like a big problem, but yeah, can, can we have a little bit of your time? And if Will says, pastor, I need you, I need you to remarry us. I'm probably going to look and say, Will, I don't need to remarry you. You may need to get some flowers. You may need to take her out to dinner. You may need to go out in the lawn and mow the lawn. But an act of disobedience does not negate the covenant. Because when you stood at an altar, you stepped into covenant. And that covenant is greater than your actions. I'm preaching now. The covenant is greater. It's greater than your actions, and it's greater than your emotions. Pastor, are you preaching eternal security? No, I don't necessarily believe in eternal security, but I also don't believe in eternal insecurity. And there are too many Christians walking around thinking, God's mad at me. I'm not in covenant anymore. I'm telling you, you are in covenant with your Father. The covenant is based on better promises. If Noah didn't break covenant, if David didn't break covenant when he slept with Bathsheba, if Abraham didn't break covenant when he lied to Pharaoh, if Moses didn't break covenant when he hit the rock, did they need forgiveness? Absolutely, but they didn't break covenant. And Hebrews says, how much better are our promises today than all of the fathers and mothers of the Old Testament? I'm preaching to somebody today that you're in covenant you're in covenant 
The relationship may need some forgiveness. You may need to say, God, I'm sorry that I gave the identity thief of my soul access. I want to cut that off. I want to stop those words. I want to stop those actions. But you have not broken covenant. Can I preach this to a mom or a dad in the house that is walking through a rebellious son or a rebellious daughter? Listen, they may not be in perfect relationship with their heavenly father, but they have not broken covenant. And there's a difference And I don't mean stop praying them back in into a full relationship where they step into their identity and their destiny. But the covenant of God is bigger. The grace of God is bigger than we think it is. The mercy and the love of God. Aren't you thankful for that? Church, come on, somebody give them thanks for his grace, for his mercy, and for his covenant. I have a multiply identity. That identity comes out of covenant and the covenant is out of my relationship with the father. Then God said, let us make in our image. Why is God talking in plural? Why is he talking in third person like he's on a Seinfeld episode or something? Here's why is because he is speaking as God, the father, God, the son and God, the spirit. So how did God create humanity? God created humanity out of a father. Watch this out of a father relationship through the son in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's how we step into covenant. And then he blessed Adam and he blessed Eve. And the first aspect of the multiply anointing upon us is a father anointing is a mother anointing. So God out of his position as father through Christ, the son and the power of the Holy Spirit imparted into you multiply covenant that now you have the ability to pass on as a spiritual father as a spiritual mother once you understand your position as a son the same way you don't just fall in and out of covenant you don't fall in and out of a relationship as son or daughter I may be upset with Cade but he is still my son there may need to be some work in Anna's behavior but she is still my daughter I hit on the uh, all the Marvel fans. Now I'm gonna now I'm gonna preach to the Star Wars fans in the house. But I might divide the house because some of the some of the some of the original Star Wars fans don't like the newer stuff. But y'all just you know stay with me here. So so Ray Skywalker, Ray, um, she starts out as a as an orphan and as a scavenger. So her parents left her on Joku when she was uh, just a little girl. And she's, she's living just a life of a scavenger until her identity, till her destiny begins to awaken within her. Problem is the identity thief in the movie is Kylo Ren. And Kylo Ren has this conversation with Ren, or with, with Kylo Ren has this conversation with Ray. And it goes like this. These are the words that he says to her, talking about her parents, talking about her parents. Because remember, your identity is through covenant relationship, and that identity comes out of your relationship with the father. So the attack of the enemy is the attack on your relationship with the father. You've disappointed. Watch how the voice of the enemy sounds. You've disappointed your father. Those are some of the most powerful words that the enemy can put in any person's mind 
whether it be an earthly father or your heavenly father, you've disappointed your father. So the voice of the enemy through Kylo Ren, they were nobody. They were filthy junk traders who sold you off for drinking money. They're dead in a pauper's grave. You have no place in this story. You came from nothing. You're nothing. And Ray turns and looks at him and says, get out of my head. That's what we got to tell the devil. That's what we got to tell the devil because the devil's trying to lie to you. You've disappointed your father. Get out of my head. You're a scavenger. Get out of my head. You've blown your identity. Get out of my head. You've wasted your life. Get out of my head. Get out of my head, devil. You're not having access into my mind anymore. You don't have access into my emotions. My identity is out of covenant. My covenant is out of relationship with the Father. It is strong. It is secure. I am a child of God. Get out of my head. Here's how. Here's how you win the identity war. Because watch this. Here's the last thing. Y'all, the devil doesn't quit. He doesn't quit. Every day he's attacking you with with, with, with his identity thief tactics. You know what he uses? Words. Because the enemy understands the power of words. That's the final thing there. My identity is formed by the word of God. I know this, and we talked about this through the formed series that how God formed, how God formed mankind was he took the dust and he's the, the ruach, so Father, Son, and Spirit, the Father through the Son, because the Bible says in the New Testament that all things were created through Christ Jesus, through the power of the ruach, the Spirit of God, as it was hovering over the earth, void and formless. And so the Father does two things he breathes and he speaks he breathes and he speaks and it's out of his breath and his word that Adam's multiply identity is formed and that's what God wants to do over you and in you every single day of your life he wants to breathe over you and speak over you breathe over you. Here's my spirit. I'm imparting my spirit to you and I speak over you. You are not who the devil would try to tell you that you are. You're my child. You're my son. In Star Wars language, you're a Jedi. The force is strong with you. Come join the resistance. I want you on my team. I've got a jersey with your name on it. You're my number one draft pick. Every day the word of God is speaking over you. But where many Christians hear your pastor. I believe that unfortunately there are many Christians who will be in heaven because of covenant, but that never fully stepped into their destiny and identity on this earth because they did not allow allow the word of God to be spoken over them on a daily basis. So that's why your declaration is not just feeling it when the pastor gets all excited on a Sunday. The power of your declaration for your identity is this. My identity will be formed by the word of God. Because watch this, your identity is formed by the words 
that are spoken over you. Your identity is formed by the words that have been spoken over you. Your identity is formed by the words that have been spoken over you. And some of you, that's making sense. Like, oh my goodness, I'm remembering words that were spoken over me in third grade or in the fifth grade or when I was a teenager because your identity has been formed by the words that have been spoken over you. But I want to shift that right now. Your identity from this day forward will be formed by the word, by the word that is spoken over you. Your identity will be formed by the word that is spoken over you. Every morning, you're going to get up and be in the word of God because the devil is not going to steal your identity any longer. You're going to be a man of the word. You're going to be a woman of the word. You're going to be a teenager of the word. You're going to learn to love the word of God. You're going to wake up and and just like you crave coffee or crave that bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit from Hardee's, you're going to crave the word of God. My morning isn't started until I'm in the word and we've provided for you tools you can go back and listen to all this in the formed series but in the back of your booklet is a daily uh, you can read through the word of God in a year and it gives you day one day two day three and if you miss a day don't let the devil beat you up because your identity hasn't been stolen you're not out of covenant you just jump right back in and so that's the food we delivered the food to you now we're going to deliver you the method to cook it It's our, remember we've talked about this, our SOAP method, scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And as you interact with that every single day, your identity will be formed by the word of God. Let me pray for you with heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me pray three short prayers, three short prayers. Prayer number one. Pastor, I'm in covenant relation. I'm in covenant with God, but I'm not in good relationship. And here's what I mean by that. Like, I'm married, but you did something, and you know you did something, and you just need to ask forgiveness. Okay, you're not out of covenant, but there's something blocking the relationship. That's called sin. Or you would say something like this, Pastor, I've given the identity thief of my soul, I've given them access through words of negativity that I've been speaking through things that my eyes have been viewing through whatever whatever it is would you just take like 10 seconds and tell your loving heavenly father would you just say I'm sorry I'm so sorry I, I don't I don't want that in my life anymore forgive me Jesus I want to I want to step back into that that relationship that intimacy with you Oh, that doesn't that feel good? Just, just let, just tell him. Just tell him I'm so, I'm sorry, Dad. I'm sorry for that. I want to step back into relationship now. Is there anybody in the house? Is there anybody viewing online? Within the sound of my words, you would say, Pastor, I'm not in covenant. Maybe you've been dating Jesus, but you've never stepped into covenant relationship with Jesus. What I mean by that is like you've been around him for a while but you've never said, I do, I'm in, I'm all in. If that's you, would you pray a prayer that says something like this? Say, dear Jesus, I wanna be a true child of God. I step into covenant with you. My life is not my own. My life belongs to you. Help me to live wide awake to the love of God and fully alive to my purpose in Jesus' name. And now here's the third prayer. I bless you. 
I bless you as the spiritual father of the house. And I speak over you that according to the word of God and according to your heavenly father, that you are in covenant relationship with your father. I bless you with a multiply identity. I cut off the words of the identity thief from you and I speak over you that you will not consume and you will not diminish any longer, but that you will multiply you and your house and what you put your hand to do and your ministry. You will multiply because that is your identity in the word of God with heads still bowed and eyes still closed. If you said yes to Jesus for the very first time, would you just on the count of three wave at me? I want to, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I just want to pray for you specifically. One, two, three. If that's you, would you just wave at me? Pastor, I stepped into covenant for the very first time. Online, we bless you. If you stepped into covenant for the first time, this is the beginning of an amazing multiply identity relationship with Jesus. And if you believe that, and if you receive all of that, all of the people and children of God said a good amen. Amen.